0: This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity.
1: Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us for episode 67 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the Cyberwire. This week, we're joined by Alexander Schlager, Executive Director of Security Services at Verizon. He has experience in both the technical and sales sides of the communications and security worlds having gained experience in a variety of positions around the globe. Our conversation focuses on his belief that organizations need to concentrate on quantifying their cyber risk and using what they learn to evaluate and plan their security programs. He explains why Verizon invests in reports like the DBIR and the Verizon Risk Report. And of course, we'll get his take on the importance of threat intelligence. Stay with us.
0: I started uh, at the age of eight um, to uh, coach BASIC and, uh, you know, did a couple projects in school for marathon running, timekeeping. This was my first exposure to kind of use the computer. It was a Commodore 64 mm. that I used predominantly for playing games. And I started discovering that, you know, we can make use of it for other purposes as well. As I grew up, uh, you know, got deeper into coding and, and, and development, I started my career actually as a developer uh, called Programmer at the time. Did a lot of uh, mainframe automation, you know, via 3270 emulation, and then somehow ended up in networking uh, technologies. Um, so while working as a, as a developer, you know, the, the internet uh, kind of came about, and at that time I was still living in Austria. And, uh, you know, once the Internet hype and boom started, uh, that seemed much more interesting than coding and developing. Hmm. So I kind of pivoted, worked at one of the first service uh, internet service providers in Austria uh, and then kind of pursued the networking technology path, which ultimately ended me up at Cisco, where I worked as a technical instructor and consultant, spent uh, probably seven years in that area. Uh, before I moved on uh, to Deutsche Telekom, where my focus shifted a little bit to IT operations and and outsourcing. Uh, I spent almost six years managing large global outsourcing deals, uh, moved around the globe uh, with my family, uh, Japan, Malaysia, Hmm. uh, England, Germany. I ultimately ended up with Verizon in uh, managing their central Europe uh, organization, predominantly sales. And got the offer from Verizon to look after our security portfolio. Um, We've been quite successful in Central Europe of positioning security. And the idea was to bring in somebody who has a a technical background, uh, but also sales experience to kind of, you know, move the roadmap and strategy forward for the next five years.
1: Can you describe to us uh, where do those two things intersect, both the technical side and the sales side, I think that's that's not uh, that's not a common thing for everyone to have the, the that, that intersection of those skills. I
0: have to expand a little bit. As a, One thing that frustrated me as a programmer was I, I, I didn't have a mathematical background in, in sense of I didn't study mathematics. Hmm. So I know uh, after a couple of years, I reached my limit uh, as, a, as a developer, as a programmer, because of that lack of, of deep mathematical background, which means there were always a, a third party being pulled in to optimize my code. And this ultimately frustrated me because as an individual, I felt that I you know, I can't become the top in my class uh, because, you know, I was lacking that particular skill. So the choice was either to add that skill to my to my capabilities, if you like, or to refocus in an area where I do believe that based on my you know, background, I actually beca- uh, become top of my class. And uh, with the rise of the Internet, this was this was a great opportunity. I think I never wanted to be an engineer forever and full time. I, uh, I really enjoyed my time with Cisco, you know, teaching, uh, teaching um, networking technologies uh, to people um, because I do like to work with people. I'm, a, you know, an extrovert to a certain degree. And uh, that made me think of how to complement my profile, if you like, uh, to take up broader roles in the tech space. Um, I did a lot of project management for Deutsche Telekom. And then it is ultimately um, and it you know, made me end up in the outsourcing space uh, I did my, my master's in, in, in business administration, uh, then in addition. And this is how ultimately I ended up with a, you know, technical as well as, um, you know, sales managerial background, if you like.
1: Right, right. Um, I want to touch on this notion of quantifying security postures and quantifying uh, cyber risk. Um, can you sort of lead us into that when we're talking about this? What do we mean?
0: When I came on board last year to take over security product, um. Obviously, I asked my team to help me to understand, to have a deep, deep understanding of, of the technology space, if you like. And one thing that uh, struck me was there was a flood of product solutions and vendors. There's almost 3,000 vendors today in the cybersecurity space that ultimately all try to make the same promise. you know, We'll make your environment secure. The more customer meetings I did, the more... Uh, a pattern arose which was customers being frustrated with the lack of a clear quantifiable outcome in security. If if you look at, at Verizon as an example, as a service provider, everything we do for our customers, we can clearly quantify and we can articulate the outcome, uh, be it the network or telephony or collaboration conferencing, IoT, you name it. We always can quantify, we can apply KPIs to it uh, so that the outcome is very clear in sense of satisfying business need of our customers, but if you look to security, there is a complete lack of outcome. We can quantify operational parameters such as mean time to repair, um, you know, response times, and all of these things. But in sense of security, like what will the, your security outcome be um, if we or any service provider, for that matter, take care of your security posture? There is no such thing. So your average enterprise today has between five and seven different technology vendors that they stack on top. We, we, you know, joke, we jokingly call it uh, the (laughs) Frankenstack in the hope that it will make them more secure. And uh, imagine a conversation between uh, CISO and and the CFO and the CISO, you know, says, look, we want to invest into vendor ABC. This will make us more secure. The answer is how much more secure and you know, there's no answer to that question. So there is also a lack of a clear understanding of the return on investment in sense of security investments. If I invest into, let's say, a different endpoint protection solution, how much more secure does this make me? So this started us making to think about, is there an abstraction layer that we can create on top of the tech layer so we can Move the conversation from a pure technology conversation to an outcome conversation in the mm-hmm. sense of if we would be able to articulate an outcome, would this help our customers? And this is ultimately how, where we, how we started the journey in exploring, is there data and information out there that we could collect, s- select, collect, aggregate, correlate in order to quantify uh, security posture?
1: Are there other uh, organizations, other types of businesses that were already doing this that you could you could use as an example?
0: Well, there's a this is this is a very new space, uh, and you see a lot of activity in that space. You know, there are established players such as, uh, as BitSight or Security Scorecard. Uh, FICO now has a has a has an offering in that space, so you will see a lot of movement uh, in that area. I, I know of at least ten startup companies that deal. With the matter of quantification in one uh, or the other way,
1: it strikes me that uh, security, by its very nature, uh, deals with a lot of uncertainty. So, take me through the process of quantifying that, of, of being able to kind of tie down that uncertainty and transform it into something that people can actually use.
0: So, if we accept the fact that there is no hundred protection, one hundred percent protection against breach, and I, I believe you know we need to accept that fact, hmm. the question changes from how do I 100% secure my environment to how do I reduce risk to a maximum extent. And collecting any signals we can pick up about an enterprise from an either external and or internal point of view, allows us to, to quantify posture. So what I mean with that is, let's take the outside, what we call the outside in view. So if we look at an enterprise from an outside perspective, there is a massive amount of signals that these that leave that leaves the enterprise. Be it the you know the details of an HTTP H T T P header, be it the open ports we see, be it um, you know be it uh, botnet infections that we see signaling back, and so on and so forth. So you know aggregating all this data and quantifying it uh, in sense of how good is a company doing in a particular aspect. In sense you know let's say open ports or the way they patch allows you to, to basically assign a score so the, the, the core principle is not very different to a credit score. Uh, a credit score ultimately expresses the risk of a entity or individual defaulting and not being able to meet uh, its financial uh, obligations. The same principle is true here, that, but we don't measure the, 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 the risk of defaulting. We measure the likelihood of a breach or the vulnerability to a breach, expressing it in the form of a score.
1: How much of a challenge does it uh, present to you that this all is relatively new? So, you, you know, you don't have a, a hundred years of historical data to look back on.
0: It's a good question. Um, well, first of all, we rely on, on a lot of partners. So, required Future, for example... Uh, is one of, of of our core partners, and they help us a lot with insights into deep and dark web activity. So part of the answer is there is no such thing as too much data when you try to you know evaluate or estimate a posture. Um, the fact that we don't have too much data or historical data is um, is half true. What I mean is we we run the data breach investigation report, um, which we do since eleven years, and we examine in there, uh, on a per-industry basis, the uh, you know trends uh, and dominant developments uh, when it comes to, to incidents and breaches. So what are the dominant attack vectors, attack varieties, motives, and actors? That information, which is, as I said, we do since 11 years, uh, helps us a lot in order to do this assessment.
1: So what are the benefits for an organization that takes this approach, the, the approach of quantifying these types of risks? What do they gain from that? multiple
0: things. So the first thing is uh, security itself has moved out of the IT department, right? So in, in the past, it was, you know, it was a subfunction of IT and it was limited to that. There was very little attention by executives, the board, um, as to how good security posture actually is. This has dramatically changed with, uh, you know, with, with, with more and more of, of commerce as well as our private lives moving into the digital space. It obviously opens up uh, tremendous opportunities you know, with people with, with criminal energies as well. The increase of regulation in parallel, be it GDPR, breach notification requirements, uh, look at the SAC guidelines that recently came came up, moved security out of IT. So all of a sudden security, if you like, is almost a corporate function because it has taken a, a dominant position when it comes to enterprise risk. So the first benefit companies get is that they're able to articulate their risk exposure to non-security individuals. So if you don't have a security background, you don't want to look at the results of a vulnerability scan or a penetration test. Because, you know, if you sit on the board of a company and you don't have a security background, this means little to you. So abstracting that information in form of a score, in form of a risk Uh, assessment in form of a industry comparison. So one thing we also do is we show customers how well they do in comparison to their peers within their industry, Uh, helps customers to understand their actual risk exposure. That's one thing. The other thing is it will drive technology decisions more accurately, meaning if you look at what we call the risk vectors, this is where we aggregate uh, all this information that we pick up. There is a relatively easy connection to be made to a specific piece of technology. Let me give you an example. If, uh, if you look at botnet infections or malware or ransomware, um, that we would detect uh, sitting on an endpoint, right? A laptop or server. Um, then the next question would be, is the customer using endpoint, prote- endpoint protection solution? If he does, it gives you insight of how good is my solution actually doing? Um, you know, I have five botnet infections that were flagged by the by, by the reporting tool. Why do I have them if I have vendor X Y Z installed on my endpoint? So, so it will start helping customers scrutinize the technologies they have in place tonight today, and help them make better decision uh, moving forward where they should invest into.
1: Now, is this a communication process this translation layer? Is it bi-directional? In, in other words, we're quantifying things so that folks on the board level can can understand the technical side. Does it flow back in the other direction as well? It does.
0: Uh, with the with the tool that we developed, and I'm I'm sure it's not dissimilar with with uh, with other players in the market. We wanted a single report that equally speaks to a board member and a security analyst in operations. So the way that we have structured the data is, is in a way that you can look at these high level parameters, such as the score, but you can also dig very deep into the underlying, what we call the forensic details. So to your question, if let's say a board member says, look guys, we dropped our score drop by 50 points, what's going on, the operations or IT or security analyst can go into the same report, dig into the detail, and then articulate the, the technical reasons, if you like, why the score has dropped by 50 points. Um, so that was the idea that we wanna connect anything we show, for example, that the board would look like, it should be traceable uh, and comprehensive also to the operational and technical level.
1: I wanna to touch on uh, threat intelligence and uh, your take on that, where you see it uh, fitting in to companies' security postures.
0: Oh, I think I think it's a it's a key requirement, and it's a it's a key piece of data uh, that that companies re- you know require. Be it for risk assessment, as we have just discussed, be it for the security analyst and to you know develop proactive measures uh, in case of an incident or a breach. Um, I think it's probably one of the most vital functions companies require in the context of cybersecurity.
1: I want to switch gears and talk about the DBIR, the Verizon Data Breach Investigation Report. Um, why is this an important thing for Verizon to support and, and to uh, put out there for the rest of the community?
0: That's an interesting question, and I think it is also an interesting um, mind change that happened the last years. If I look back three, four years, many companies, including Verizon, would see threat intelligence, and I would count the DBIRR into that category to a large extent Uh, you know to a wide extent it is kind of part of threat intelligence Uh, they saw this as a core asset they looked at it as you know it's my core asset i differentiate with the threat intelligence i have nobody else can have it and this is how i will position myself in the market Uh, luckily this has dramatically changed in sense of there's an understanding in the in the industry that you know threat intelligence is something we have to share we need to share we kind of you need to unite you know against the, the dark forces if you like for lack of better term and so I'm very pleased to see that including Verizon um, threat intelligence or insights into into threats has become a communal responsibility if you like so you know we see a lot of players uh, in the uh, in the security space actively sharing threat intelligence with each other the DBR is our contribution to that if you
1: like and now you also put out recently the Verizon risk report. Can you take us through, what does that cover?
0: That is what I mentioned before, where we um, basically collect any kind of signals we can see and detect about an enterprise. Uh, I mentioned uh, outside-in, so we structured the product into three levels. The first one is outside-in, so you know we pick up everything we can see and find about an enterprise from an external perspective. You could think about it this way. Anything a hacker could see if he does intensive research about a potential target, we pick up. And uh, we correlate, aggregate, and we score. So it is the maturity score from an external perspective. Um, level two then is the the mirror image. We go inside out. Uh, we go behind the perimeter, and we collect you know additional so called risk vectors um, to complement the score further to make it more accurate to increase the confidence. Uh, and then level three is a professional services assessment where we look at uh, the human aspect, if you like, uh, policies, processes, procedures, human behavior. And taking all of these three levels together gives us a 360 degree view of of the security maturity, the security posture, and ultimately the risk that uh, an enterprise is facing. The big difference is if you look at how risk assessments have been done in the past, they were mostly human-driven, meaning you know a person comes on site and does the full assessment, including the technical parameters. The problem is it's a questionnaire-based, it's subject to human bias, and it's a it's it's a it's a snapshot in time, meaning the next day your report is is basically obsolete. Uh, this is one another reason why we we wanted to stand up a feature such as the Rise of Risk Report, which is refreshed every twenty four hours to allow customers to get a more near real time a view on their risk and security, uh, and security posture. The data breach investigation report, which we run since 11 year is fully embedded in that product, which means all the raw data we collect, for example, from, uh, BitSight uh, or recorded future, we correlate against that data set because we do have that insight about, uh, as I mentioned before, which industry is facing which specific threats. There's a big difference in sense of how you weight and how you prioritize certain data points based on that information. So if you like we have you know we have instrumentalized the DBIR uh, is another way of looking at it.
1: Now Verizon certainly one of the largest telecommunications companies in the world how does having that sort of global scale Enable you to have a, a vision, a view of uh, of security of the security world uh, that perhaps others don't have.
0: The biggest benefit is is global visibility. As in, we are lucky to have the insight as to how individual governments, but also you know enterprises in in, in countries all around the world look at cybersecurity. Could all, almost envision a uh, country level maturity if we could quantify that uh difference between countries so whether you look at germany or japan or australia or or israel just to, to you know pick on a few you see you see significant differences in how serious it is taken on government level uh how much money is being put in r&d how much money is being put into proactive measurements and initiatives of helping the local industries become more uh secure uh and more mature uh and and aware if you
1: like Now, in terms of uh, recommendations uh, for companies who are looking to do a better job uh, securing themselves, uh, what are your suggestions?
0: You know, I think companies need to look at the option of quantifying their posture, whether they do it themselves, whether they use a third-party service. I think it's very important that companies move to that, what we call the abstraction layer above technology, even if it might not be perfect, as it's an ever-evolving area, I think companies need to create better awareness and transparency at the senior management and board level. I think companies need better help to understand their risk. You know, and uh, there is also a financial benefit, obviously, as, as return on investment becomes more feasible in security. Uh, but think about it in conversation with your insurance company. The cyber insurance premiums, if you're a large enterprise, are, are a significant cost expenditure. Now, if you could demonstrate to your insurer that you have a very mature posture, that you have low risk, that you are very diligent in uh, you know caring for your security environment, there is benefits from a financial and commercial point of view. So I think companies definitely have to move to the level of, Rather evaluating hundreds of tech vendors, they should evaluate solutions that are out there that help them quantify their posture. And once they have established that practice, then look at technology and connect the dots between what they see from a risk perspective and what this means in technology terms.
1: So when an organization gets this information about quantifying their, their risk, how does that integrate with their technology? How does it work with things they may have or things they're thinking about getting?
0: two ways. Number one, Verizon, as well as as other players in that space, are actively working on connecting the dots between a risk vector, as we call it, and a piece of technology automatically. So in the future, you will see that we are able to map vendors and their products in cybersecurity directly to the risk scoring methodology. And that will further improve and accelerate using that information for the right technology decisions. The other aspect is Think about uh, security analytics uh, in sense of um, most companies today have some sort of analytics in place, um, be it a SIEM environment, be, be it any machine learning supported environments, where they basically actively look for indicators of compromise, uh, where they look for you know whether a breach has occurred, you know, and so on and so forth. Uh, a low hanging fruit is by using by taking all this information and intelligence that you have. Uh, on the risk side, and for example, feeding it into your analytics stack. The, the quality of your security analytics uh, is to a large degree determined by the contextual information you have, meaning you have a primary collection of information, but only by putting that information into context does it become truly valuable as it reduces what we call false positives. So a low-hanging fruit for companies who acquire any kind of risk quantification capability is that they can immediately take that information and feed it, for example, into an analytics stack as an additional point of correlation, for example.
1: Our thanks to Alexander Schlager for joining us. If you enjoy this podcast, we hope you'll take the time to rate it and leave a review on iTunes. It really does help people find the show.